Well, it is here. It is Silverstone. It is the British Grand Prix. My opinion, this is the top Formula One event of the season. There's a lot of great stops on the F1 calendar, and all of us have our favorites, but I think there's nothing quite like the British crowd during this race. Uh, It is the Overtake F1 podcast. We got our British Grand Prix preview coming up. Five things to watch out for. We're going to go over the track, the historic Silverstone circuit. We'll also go over the F1 calendar for 2024 and some of the issues that were raised with its release earlier this week. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our podcast. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to the channel anyway. Help us grow. We do really appreciate it. Well, without being too hyperbolic here, this podcast might actually be a little too much of a love letter to the British Grand Prix. Like I said earlier, it's my favorite event on the calendar. If there was one place that I could go to overseas, I live in the United States, if there was one place I could go to to attend a Formula One race, I would probably pick this one. Yeah, I know I could go to Monte Carlo and the glitz and the glamour, and I've always wanted to go to Japan and Australia would be a nice long trip. It's still pretty fun. But of all the ones that I could go to, I think I would like this most of all. I love the fans. I love the circuit. I love the history of the British Grand Prix. I love the whole atmosphere of that weekend. And as a guy that has been around sporting events my whole career, I really check off atmosphere as one of the main reasons I love going to particular events, whether it's a football game, the World Series, Grand Prix, NASCAR events, or whatnot, and Silverstone has it. So please forgive me if this is more, like I said, a love letter to the British Grand Prix. But here are the five things to watch out for this weekend. And the top on my list is the British drivers. Now, there are stops all along the F1 calendar where there's going to be a hometown driver, sometimes two. Like earlier this season, we saw Oscar Piastri in Australia, Logan Sargent in Miami. He's actually from Fort Lauderdale. Charles Leclerc in Monaco, always the hometown favorite when they go there. Fernando Alonso, of course, and Carlos Sainz in Spain and Barcelona. Lance Stroll in Canada. We've got those already off the books this season. Silverstone, however, is where they just this to 11. You've got Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, Lando Norris, and they're all trying to get on that podium in front of that raucous crowd and waving that flag. And they have the cars to do it. They have the cars to do it. They may not win this Grand Prix given Red Bull's dominance, but certainly one of those three drivers is capable of getting a podium finish. I know Mercedes struggled in Austria last weekend. Hamilton did not like the car. Toto Wolff told him to drive it anyway, but they know how to get around Silverstone. They certainly know how to do that. And McLaren and Norris had a good run in Austria. They could have a nice weekend as well. Russell, if you remember George Russell last year, he was so excited to go to the British Grand Prix and be in the Mercedes car. He had gone there with the Williams backmarker team, but now he was kind of in a championship level car, capable of winning. But if you remember, the guy was all in that melee at the beginning of the race, the one that said Joe Guan Yu into the fence and his day was over before it even started. So again, I'm watching the British drivers, how much the crowd loves them, how much they react to the crowd and see if one of these guys can get on the podium or if more drivers can get on the podium at the end of the race. But back to sort of the nitty gritty of the Grand Prix, the second thing I'm watching out for is the bounce back of Mercedes and and Aston Martin. Is it there? It was a tough day at the Red Bull ring for both teams. For Mercedes, it was a 7th place 
place finish for George Russell. Lewis Hamilton finished eighth. Mercedes garnering just 10 points in the Grand Prix. Aston Martin got a P5 for Fernando Alonso, P9 for Lance Stroll. They managed 12. For both teams, this was their lowest point total of the season. Now, Mercedes was optimistic earlier this year when their upgrades were coming into Barcelona. They had a good run in Canada. There are more upgrades coming this weekend for their car. And like I said, it's well-suited for Silverstone. As for Aston Martin, they are looking to show podium form again. Fernando Alonso being on the podium so much this season. But again, really kind of disappeared in Austria. They are three points behind Mercedes for P2 and the constructors. And that's where the real race is as far as that department goes. The third thing, and again, you know me, I am a, I'm an unabashed Ferrari fan, and I'm looking to see the Scuderia turn the corner for the rest of the season. There was a massive upgrade led to their best finish in Austria, P2 for Charles Leclerc. Carlos Sainz, he finished sixth, had the 10-second penalty for track limits, and then he also had to play the team game that afternoon. He pitted under the virtual safety car, and then afterwards he lamented both the penalties and that particular strategy, but here's the key. He knew his car was very, very very quick. And Charles Leclerc echoed that as well in the post-race comments at the Red Bull ring. Ferrari is trying to get back into this P2 constructors race. They're kind of on the outside now in fourth, looking up at Aston Martin and Mercedes. They're trying to get back into that. And maybe the upgrade package and the way the car is running, maybe they can squeeze out more top finishes to get into that battle with those two other teams. And Carlos Sainz is the race's defending champion. Take for that what you will. It's not much with Max Verstappen and Red Bull dominating this season, but they are coming off last year's win with Carlos Sainz. Maybe they can pop a win or two during the season if something mechanically should go wrong for Verstappen or Red Bull. Who knows? But it's my wish and a hope that they have turned the corner this season because they did have a very quick car in Austria. It's two different circuits. I get it. But the reality of it is, is that both were very excited about how the car was performing at the Red Bull ring. The four things to watch out for is the weather. Now, this is an easy one to do. In fact, we could do weather almost every time. But sometimes we know that the forecast will be just nice, right? There's no rain in the forecast. There's no reason to get worked up about wet conditions that might be coming for the weekend. But that's not the case this weekend. Friday's was dry. We're expecting some rain showers on Saturday, maybe even for qualifying. And Sunday, we're expected some wet weather as well. That obviously benefits drivers who do great in the rain, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton. But it also means that you could see more safety cars, which could derail some strategy. And of course, if rain is coming or it stops or there's some mixture of dry and wet, then you're going to see teams try to take a gamble, staying out on slicks, going to t going to wet tires early. Like all sorts of things could be in play and you better have it dialed in strategy wise. So all sorts of chaos could happen. And we might see it this weekend with rain in the forecast for the British Grand Prix. And the fifth thing, and I'm having some fun with this. So hear me out. I'm watching Alpine. Why? Well, earlier this week, Ryan Reynolds and his investment team with Rob McElhaney are now in Formula One. They own 24% of this team, but it goes beyond that. Look, I love what they've done with Wrexham and their little documentary, Welcome to Wrexham, and, and all of the accolades that those two have gotten since joining English soccer. But the reality of it is I don't know what impact they're going to have on this Formula One team. I've been fascinated with Alpine since the beginning of the season when Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly were going to pair up. I know they're not 
not good friends. We know that. Uh, we know that we're going to have a pretty good working relationship. Uh, two Frenchmen on a French team. A lot of attention was going to get drawn to it. And remember, these are two guys that have won Grand Prix. Like, these are the two guys that when you talk about the dominance of Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes or Max Verstappen and Red Bull, and they seem to win all the races. When you look at those who have gone on to win without being on those teams, over the last couple of years, you can point to Pierre Gasly at Monza, you can point to Esteban Ocon in Hungary, and you can say there every now and then there's an outlier, and these two drivers have outliers. But I've been fascinated because they've taken a step back since Alonso left, but these are two good drivers. These are two guys who can really get into some points when their machines are working properly and they don't have mechanical issues or strategy problems. I'm wondering what they'll do on Sunday. I think it's time that they sort of kick it up a little bit, separate themselves from Mercedes. Is Mercedes going to catch them? I've never been as interested in a P5 battle, but I am with this team. I've, I've always been kind of following Alpine this year from afar, and I'm now paying attention with their big news about the Ryan Reynolds uh, about quarter acquisition, 24%. Uh, it, it's, it makes me want to pay attention to them more. All right, so those are the top five things that I am watching out for for this weekend in the British Grand Prix. Let's get to track talk. Let's talk about Silverstone and this race in particular. It's one of the most prestigious motorsports event in the world. This is where it all began, and it's my favorite track. It's it, it, absolutely my favorite track. Coming into Abbey at full speed, heading into Farm, making that turn later on to down the Wellington Strait, into Brooklyn's, heading to Woodcott, getting off Cops Corner, Maggots, Beckett's Chapel, the, that little weave that leads to the hangar straight the beautiful turn for at Stowe the right hander down into Vale back to the Hamilton straight it is a it is fast it's got great historical corners it's just a, a, a amazing amazing circuit and when you look at the British Grand Prix and the history of this race it is the champions of this race are a who's who in Formula One whether it's Lewis Hamilton who has won this thing eight times whether you could go down the list and see Alan Prost Jim Clark, Nigel Mansell, Nicky Lauda, Ma Michael Schumacher. You've got Jackie Stewart, Emerson Fittipaldi, David Coulthard, Fernando Alonso has won here twice, Sebastian Vettel won here twice, Mark Webber's won here twice, but the name that's not on this list is Max Verstappen. He has not won the British Grand Prix, but there's a little bit of asterisk there. If you remember not that long ago, Max Verstappen did win a Grand Prix at Silverstone, but it was in 2020, and it was that 70th anniversary race, kind of a one-off that they held at that track. That year, Lewis Hamilton won the British Grand Prix, where he made it to the finish line on a busted tire, basically driving with three wheels while Verstappen was behind trying to close that gap. But Verstappen has never been the British Grand Prix champion. That is likely to change this weekend. He is such a dominating presence this year. He's won five in a row. He has won all but two races. So he has won seven this season with Sergio Perez winning the other two. Now, we know in any Grand Prix, anything can happen that does open the door if something should happen mechanically or Verstappen spins out or something. Who knows? There might be an opportunity for somebody else to be on the podium. I, again, if I'm a betting guy and I'm not, I'm obviously going to go Verstappen. I think all of you would go with Verstappen. It's very difficult to find another driver that is in his class. He's winning these Grand Prix by such a large margin. It's not like somebody is nip and tuck right behind him and he's pulling it out on the last lap or the final two laps. 
he's winning these Grand Prix by 20 seconds, 15 seconds, 27 seconds. I mean, even in Austria, he had a 24-second lead, pitted for soft tires so he could get the fastest lap, still won that thing by a comfortable margin over Charles Leclerc. That's the kind of season that he's having, and so it makes it very difficult to picture anybody else winning this race. It'll be 52 laps around the circuit, and Pirelli bringing the hardest compound tires, C1 for the hard, C2 for the mediums, and C3 for the softs. That Verstappen does have the track record set in 2020. There are two DRS zones that come on this circuit, one coming out um, onto the Wellington Strait, and then later after you go through the weave of Maggots, Beckett's, and Chapel, you get to the Hangar Strait, that's your second DRS zone. So again, very, very fast circuit, lots and lots of fun, and I'm absolutely looking forward to it. And the reason I bring up looking forward to it is because I know some of you out there are getting a little tired of the 2023 season. I know there are diehards and you'll watch every weekend, no matter when, when there's a Grand Prix weekend, you watch no matter what, qualifying, practice, etc. But I know there are some of you that are a little new to the sport or you are just getting exhausted with Red Bull winning, especially Max Verstappen winning. There's only been two Grand Prix that he hasn't been victorious and it was his teammate that took the checkered flag. So Red Bull's won every single race this season and I know that can get a little exhausting. However, let me remind you something here. I think that that one of the re- things that there are two things that I like about Formula One more than other motorsports is that there is an emphasis on where you finish. There is a points battle. NASCAR used to be that way. NASCAR used to have a point system. And that's how you became the champion. But a number of years ago, they decided to go to a playoff and it has worked for them. They got 16 drivers. You get in by winning. And then if they don't have enough 16 drivers to fill the field, they'll go to points. But usually they get that amount. And then they go to the playoff system and formula one doesn't have that. So it is great to see a driver get a couple of world championship points. It is great to see a driver get their first championship points. And it is also great to see teams come out of a Grand Prix weekend saying, you know what? We did really well. We got 12 points. We got 10 points. We got we got however many they get because there is a long-term story that's going on with the season. We may concede and, and we should be conceding that Red Bull is going to win the constructors and that Max Verstappen is going to be world champion. That's a no brainer, but who's going to finish second. Those that matters in this sport. It's not just a trophy that they give out. There's money that's attached to it. So who's going to finish second? How about that battle for fifth? How about that battle for third? Those things do matter. And for drivers, it it, it does matter where you finish at the end of the season. But I think there's another thing at this, and that is I remember a time in NASCAR, for example, that was what I covered early in my career, that Jeff Gordon won all the races. And there was a time where the people felt like, oh, NASCAR, it's all Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon, Jeff Gordon. And of course he wasn't winning everything, but he was winning enough to make people sort of go, ugh. But they also realized that there would be races he wasn't going to win, and they kind of wanted to be around when that occurred. Like I said earlier, Verstappen hasn't won everything. He's two races uh, that he did not finish first. But when Ferrari wins, or Mercedes wins, or maybe Fernando Alonso crosses the finish line first, or maybe it is an Esteban Ocon or Pierre Gasly or somebody that lucks out amid chaos and somehow benefits in a way that we did not see, 
I want to be there when it happens. I want to watch it live when it happens. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to say I didn't want to get up for that. My races in Europe start very early for me here in Nashville, Tennessee. I want to be listening and watching when those occur. And if I get yet another Verstappen win, so be it. Because one day this season, I think I'm going to see another team be on the podium. And in a historic year where we know we're going to be saying that Max Verstappen is not only the world champion, but put together one of the most dominating seasons the sport has ever seen. I do want to know the people and the drivers and the teams that were able to beat him for however they beat him on a given Sunday. All right. One other note from Formula One this week. They released the 2024 calendar. It is comprised of 24 rounds, most of any season. There was supposed to be 24 rounds this year, but China was scrapped. And then, of course, the tragedy of the flooding at uh, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix canceled that race. So we're going with 22 this season. It's going to start February 29th through March 2nd. That weekend, it's going to be in Bahrain to kick off the season and then Saudi Arabia. That has not changed. However, both of those races are going to be run on Saturday. So it's going to be a run on Saturday to respect Ramadan in both of those regions of the world. Austria will be round three. Then it gets a little interesting. Japan has been moved from a fall race to a spring race that's going to be in April on April 7th. And I like this move because one of the things that the organizers of the Japanese Grand Prix have said, they'd like to get out of the fall. It's wet. It's it's a, a wet time of year, and they'd like to race it when it's the springtime. And they don't have to worry necessarily about rainouts and whatnot. China is back on the calendar. That'll be run on April 22nd. And then Miami, Imola, Monaco, Canada, Spain. So it's going to be Monaco, then to Canada, then to Barcelona in uh, mid, mid to late June. And then Austria and then the United Kingdom on July 7th. Then there'll be a break. Hungary will kick off round 13, followed by Belgium, the Netherlands, Italy. Azerbaijan has been moved from spring to the fall. That'll be a Grand Prix on September 15th. Then they go to Singapore. As you can sense, there's some regionality here. And then to the United States on October 20th to race in Austin, Mexico City, Brazil, and then back to the United States on November 23rd for Las Vegas. And then Qatar and uh, Abu Dhabi will close out the 2024 calendar. Now, this is going to raise another bit of conversation among the drivers and the teams of whether or not Formula One at 24 races is sustainable. Max Verstappen does not like 24 races. I'm sure there are a couple of other drivers who have said, look, this is a little much. But nevertheless, this is the problem when you've got a sport that is sensing a rise in popularity and getting hit from all sides of when will you race here? When will you race there? Here's a race organization that wants to have an F1 track. They're getting bombarded. They want to race in Africa again. They want to be um, all over the world and they want new circuits and they want to revitalize old circuits and maybe there's an opportunity to get rid of some other races on the calendar. You know, France is no longer going to be a stop in F1. Didn't, won't be on, is not on this year's calendar, won't be on next year's calendar. So Stefano Domenicali has an expansion issue, meaning he'd love to be running more Grand Prix, but the teams are coming back saying, hey, you know what? That's a it's really, really taxing on us. And so there's got to be a happy medium. I mean, think about this. If you had two more events, if they get to 26, and I don't think they're going to, this is just hypothetical, then you're basically running a 
every other week. I mean, you're basically having half of the calendar F1 races. That's a lot. Now, for us fans who sit at home, it's nothing. But for teams who are constantly traveling, constantly on the road, yeah, there there is something to that. But one other thing, too, and I, I'm not trying to get into a political argument on, on climate and climate change, but there's no question that Formula One is getting into this sort of net zero by 2030 mindset. And you're not going to convince anybody you're serious about it when you keep going around the world, right? If you can, if you continue to ship cars all over the world, fly teams all over the place, then you're not really being committed to in seven years, these goals of trying to be environmentally friendly. Now, in my opinion, I, I like the schedule at 22. I'm cool with that. Two more is not something that bothers me as much, but I look at it as a glass of water. Okay. So think of it as a glass of water. And if you go back in the old days when they were running 10 formula one races and 18 formula one races and all that, you know, think about the glass being like three quarters full. Right. And it, it's, it, it's, 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 looks good it's enough to satisfy you and then you just add a little bit more water to the glass 24 to me is where the water is at the top of the glass where it is the any more and you're going to cause some spillage that's where i that's where i'm at with this i'd love for it to be just down enough just a little bit so it's not on the edge i just think 24 is a little too much not a lot just a little too much just give you a perspective here uh, i'm gonna try to go into a, 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 the nfl the american sports if you're listening outside the united states the national football league uh, i've been a sports reporter for close to 30 years and the nfl is my primary sport that i cover Forever, I mean forever, there has been a conversation about whether or not the NFL could go from 16 games to 18 games. And I can remember being in debates with radio audiences about this. Do you want to see um, the Denver Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers play 18 games? Now, football, American football, we're nuts about it here. We're nuts about it collegiately and professionally. We're crazy about it. But I can remember so many times people calling into my radio show saying, you know, 16 just seems about right. 18, given injuries, given just maybe it's just too much. I mean, these are people who loved football, but they were willing to say, I don't need more of it, constantly more of it. The NFL now has 17 games. There's kind of a compromise. I know they'll go to 18 eventually. That's what I'm kind of worried about with, with Formula One here. There's going to be those of us like me. Maybe we're a little too old. Maybe we're not, you know, these young millennials that don't remember when Formula One had 18 races, but I do. And I feel like the more you add, even though it's beneficial to the entity as a whole, I'm worried that it's just a little too much. You can just have too much and it's, it's, and it creates tension and a strain on these teams. Again, I'm seeing the 24 race calendar as water that's on top of the glass, just hovering right there. And anymore, you spillage, and maybe you're okay with spillage, but it also could damage, you know, your your coffee table. All right, so next week we'll be reviewing the British Grand Prix. 
Again, I hope this is more of a love letter to this event like I've done in this podcast. I'm so looking forward to this weekend. All right, we'll have a complete review. A reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. If you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. really does help us grow, helps the algorithms, all of those things that I'm too dumb to understand. I just know that if you support this uh, podcast, it does help. So we love your support. Please share it with friends. And if you'd like to reach the show, you can do so. Hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can also email the show at Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. If you're new to Formula One and you have a question about Formula One, I can answer it on this podcast. Would love to do that. So again, hit me up and uh, I'll get to know you and, and uh, you can make a communication with the program. All right. See you next week for a review of the British Grand Prix from Silverstone. Hope you enjoy the race. And this is Tony Desiri and we are the Overtake F1 Podcast. Thank you.